important uh, topic that, that we have a chance to discuss this week. Dr. No. Dr. No. Did you watch it? I did. I watched yeah. it. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'd seen it before and it was one of those movies that I don't actually remember how many times I'd seen it or when I'd seen it. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I, I remembered it, but it had been a long time since I remembered sitting down and watching it from start to finish. And I did that early in the morning, uh, I guess, Tuesday morning again. And uh, I just love that movie. I love that movie. You know what it reminded me of watching? Because I, I watched it again, too, even though I've watched I've seen it a couple times in the last few years. But uh, it reminded me, you know, like, did you ever read the, the comics in the newspaper? You know, like a, like something like Peanuts or, or Calvin and Hobbes is another sure. good example, right? Yeah. And then and then like when I was in grade school and then I'd like go to the library and get the books, right? Get and so like read like the whole Peanuts library. And you go back to the beginning and you go back to like Peanuts in 1956 or whenever Charles Schultz started it. Right. Or like the first year of Calvin and Hobbes or the first year of Bloom County. And all the characters look weird, right? Yeah. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Or like even Garfield, any comic strip. Yeah. Or the, find any comic strip that's long running, and it's like the first year of the strips. They look freakish. That, They're like, what be, was this? Who read this? Because the artist didn't quite have them down, right? But the but like the kernel of the characters are there, you know, and. and it's like, yeah, that's Calvin and that's Hobbes. It's not that they're wrong, but they're not quite drawn right. Like the first, you know, Dr. No is sort of like that with James Bond. It's like not quite right, but not wrong. It's not that it's wrong. It's that they don't like, they just don't have it down yet. Yeah. Like the music is wrong. Yeah. The James Bond theme is exactly right. But like the, the, the scoring throughout the movie is... It actually kind of reminded me of like a Hitchcock movie. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. And it, it's also something funny. You mentioned the James Bond theme. It's some. It's funny because it's like every single time that James Bond walks on screen, they play the music. It's like, you know, and I, I don't know if this is because we've been so accustomed to modern movies and the way they make movies today, but the idea of, uh, it's like he doesn't, we don't need to reintroduce him every single time that he makes an appearance on the screen. We don't need to hear the same, you know, f- musical phrase, but I guess they're introducing the character, but it was just, it was so great because it's in some ways, it's almost a more honest kind of a film than what you see today. It, it really is just this pure form of the genre. You know, this was right. a brand new kind of movie when it came out. I like the way too that, and it's one of those things where I never really noticed it until Love just this movie. just watching it recently, just now. But even though I'd seen it over the years, you know, many times, when I was a kid, it was never clear to me which of them was first. Right? I didn't know that right, Doctor No right, was the right. first one because, in hindsight, they were all kind of old by the time I saw them. You know, they felt like they were old. Even yeah, though they were you know fifteen, twenty years old. And now they're it's like forty years old or closer to fifty, I guess. Um. But now that you know it's the first one, there's some cool stuff. I like the way that they don't spend any time exp- like introducing him, like the 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 creation myth. Yeah, he's you know? just he he is he's he, the first the first scene, and they often would cut this when it would air on regular TV. They would they would kind of cut to the chase more and have the build up to seeing uh, seeing Bond for the first time on the screen. When you, you don't quite see him, he's got the he's got the card shoe and he's dealing the cards from the shoe, right. and you don't quite see his face right away. You don't quite see you know you see an at an angle and things like that, 
And there he is. He's just James Bond. It's like, you know, and this was my question for you. Do you know, was James Bond from the novels a cultural phenomenon at the time? Like, did everybody, oh, of course, James Bond. This is the James Bond movie. Or was this really his first introduction into pop culture through the movie? I think that the the books were, you know, the books had been out for like 10 years. And I forget how many of them had already been written by the time the first movie was made. But it was at least like 10. Uh, and I do think they were popular. Now, I don't think, though, that they were – I'm not quite sure how popular, though. They were like best-selling books, but best-selling books are still not as – I don't think it was quite like Harry Potter, where, where the Harry Potter, the books are bigger than the movies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's people people would wait at midnight right. for the Harry Potter books, but the movies are just sort of like regular smash hit movies. I don't think it was quite like that. But they sort of act like you know them. They do. Exactly. Like, um, you know, the, the first shot of Bond in the casino where you just said that, where they don't show his face, it's like over his shoulder for a couple of shots yep. until they do show him. Uh, I realized watching it just this week that it's uh, the, the first time you see Indiana Jones and in Raiders of the Lost Ark is yeah. totally an homage to that, where you're behind him and he's doing a few things. Oh, yeah. And it, you know they don't they don't Spielberg doesn't stretch it out too long, but you have to wait like a minute before you see Harrison Ford's face. It's the same thing. That's interesting. But yeah, you're right. They don't they don't really introduce him. He's just oh, it, it's James Bond. And, but and the music the music really threw me off. Or I mean, I like it though. That yeah. like Hitchcockian mood. Yeah, it's weird. It's just that's that's so. Uh, so much that time period though it's so definitively that time period to do music that way and have that kind of music. and like the whole the whole intro music after the uh after you're looking down the barrel that's really weird and then the the sequence with the the three assassins that, that come out the three blind mice right that's weird it just how it, great were the opening credits i love it that's one of the greatest opening credits ever with those dots yeah oh but yeah, so instead of having – that's one of the things that they didn't quite have right. Like the way a Bond movie works is you, you get the Bond theme, I guess, with the, the, the bullet hole, you know, the James Bond in a suit and a hat. And, right. you know, he turns and shoots and the blood drips down the screen. But then you get a theme song for the movie. You know, this is the, you know, live and let die. Right. Uh, plays over the credits. Whereas in this one, it's the Bond theme that plays over the credits. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of little things that they were still refining. I actually read the Wikipedia has a neat entry talking about the Bond opening sequence and how it's changed over the years and how they had to refilm it a number of different times. And, uh, and, and you know, it, it's, it just, it's really interesting. This whole, mythos that has sprung up about it but what was what was your favorite scene of, of this movie we talked I, I mean we talked about this off the air the other day but what was your what's your I, i'll tell you my mine is the spider scene still creeps me out i had totally forgotten about that scene totally forgotten that it was in this movie un, until until you know um uh the professors in in the the room and dr knows like go to the table you know right at the that whole scene where he wakes up with the spider and smashes it, it still freaks me out as much as the first time I saw it. And what I loved about this, and I feel like I feel like in the Roger Moore era of Bond, especially, he almost sort of became almost superhuman in some ways. Like 
almost there was almost this philosophy like, well, no, nobody gets the best of James Bond, like physically or uh, or outsmarts him or as fat. It just you know none of that is it, it happens. Whereas very much in this movie, you really do get the sense. And I'll also add in, in the newer movies, it's very true. He's he's still just a dude. He's still just a guy. You know, right. he's he's sleeping in his bed at night. And there's a spider on him, and he is physically he gra- after he smashes this thing, which is the best part of it. He just sort of gra- he just grabs his stomach and just goes into the bathroom. And you're yeah, he like, he seems shaken though. He oh, seems like shaken. He up. He was shaken up, right? He, and then you know? it cuts to it. It's a pretty good cut because then it cuts to the next morning, and he's coming in to see the 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 governor or whoever that was on you know the government official on yeah. the island, and he's totally composed. Yeah, uh, it's a pretty good cut. I love the way that. Uh, when he smashes the spider, it's off camera. It's like on the floor right, behind, behind the bed. The bed. Uh, and like, I think it was you and I am pointed out, and that's what got me thinking about the music, is that each time he smashes it with his shoe, it's punctuated with the, the, the musical score. Right. It's like uh, sharp blasts on the horn yeah. in, in the thing, which is a total, it, 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 it's like the movie feels more 50s than 60s. <laughs> I can see that, yeah. But in a good way, yeah. like in a way that Hitchcock movies are cool. But that's like, like uh, sort of like the, I think the, the stabbings in Psycho were, right. you didn't really see it so much as that you heard it. And it wasn't that you heard stabbing, it's that you heard sharp, sharp tones on the musical score. Right. Um, there were a lot of things in this movie where violence actually took place off camera. Like <clears throat> if you remember when he's sitting at dinner with Dr. No. Uh, this is after, after they, uh, they take honey out of the room and, uh, and Dr. No has basically realized that, you know, uh, that Bond is just, uh, just a police, a police officer, you know, just right. a policeman. Uh, he, he says to his, uh, to his thugs, he's like, soften him up a little, you know, I'll right. deal with him later. And they, 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 you get the, you know, that they're sort of, they're beating him up, right. but the they don't show it. The camera Dr. follows no. Dr. No. Right, and you hear you just hear them punching him. Right, and then they show like he takes you see him taking one hit, which by then his face is already like bruised up and stuff. But it's right. it, it it's interesting, you know. And I wonder is that more because of like ratings and and violent violent aversion back then? Because it's just like you say that there, there's there is almost a Hitchcockian thing in that way. I don't know. I think this was just a well directed movie, you know, and that and that sometimes the off screen violence it. It's more effective. Yeah. The, the other, the other, I had the same notes. I actually wrote the same notes about off camera, off camera violence. The spider, the soften him up. And then the other one I noticed is after he breaks out of the, the little prison room that he was in. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's finds one of Dr. No's henchmen wearing the, uh, what do you call him? Like a bunny suit? Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the radiations. <laughs> right. He, he, Gets the guy and like Chang. Geez, I guess he chokes him. That's to death. Chang that he chokes. Right, it's Chang. Uh, but he does it behind a glass screen. That's right. right? Yeah, because because so Chang is quite, walking. I can't figure out what what Chang was doing because I think he was taking a leak. It, well, he's going to take a leak at I the think most he's going to take a leak. critical part of the whole. They're like getting the beam ready. Oh, I better go take a leak now before we. <laughs> I'm like, what, what's he doing? Because right away they're like, where's Chang? Oh, he's right there. What are you doing over there? Get up there, you know? But right. yeah, you're right. They didn't show that either. Uh, well, they kind of, you know, they showed it, but it, it's, so it's not quite off camera, but it's sort of like filtered. Right. I mean, literally filtered by like the glass screen. Yeah. Uh, but it somehow, 
I don't know. It's cool because then it's like you don't have to worry about how how realistically it looks like Sean Connery is choking this man to death. Right. You know, I don't know. It somehow <laughs> felt real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was real. I thought it was a really well directed movie. It was a I great really, movie. I mean, it has it, so much style. It does. That's the one thing that it has more than anything else is style. And like, like I love the little, it's the little details. A bond is always, I mean, we get to see him when he's not composed, but I love when he first arrives in the airport and it's, you know, just to sort of demonstrate to the audience that it's hot here. He just sort of takes off his hat and he's just sort of like fanning himself. This is right before the, the photographer girl, you know, and it's just like, even in that situation, you know, he's, he's been up all night, right? He, right. he has to leave to go, you know, an intercontinental plane flight. He just finds out that he needs to go, right? He's been gambling all night already. Right. And now he just goes and he, he's just, he gets on an, he gets on an airplane and, uh, and he's going to Jamaica and it's like, it's not a big deal. He hasn't slept probably in days. He's fine. Right. I think my favorite scene, it's, it's almost a two part scene. There's the earlier scene and then the, 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 the parallel scene later in the movie. I think they're probably about a half an hour apart, but the first part is he's checks into his hotel room and uh, he takes his attache case and he sprinkles a little like talcum powder on the locks. And then he goes over to right. the closet and plucks a hair out of his head right. and, and puts it across the seam of the closet door. Right. Uh, and you know what, you know, you know exactly what he's doing. Right. There's no, exp- you know, he's alone in a room and nobody's, there's no dialogue to say what he's doing. He just does it. And then about a half an hour later, he comes back at night and uh, notices, checks the hair, notices yeah. that it's gone. So Hair's he knows gone. somebody's been in a room. This is before the spider. Right. Uh, and he goes over, looks at the, the attache case, sees that there's thumbprints on the lock. Uh, and he doesn't do anything about it. He's right. just like, all right, somebody's been in yeah. here. Takes a look around. That's Actually, the, you know, what really, he expected. What he, he should have done is look for spiders. <laughs> but, uh, but then here's the part that I love. This is the part that the payoff to me. Is he, he's got a bottle of vodka right. on the desk right. and he pours himself a, a drink and he's about to take a sip and he takes a sniff of it and he thinks, hmm. Then he opens the drawer and it ends up he's got a, other, he's got a second bottle of vodka right. with the seal on it, yep. opens that one up and uses that one to get the drink. Yeah, that that's, was great. To me, that's the scene. That was a great scene. Like, and you just know that that's why he had the second bottle of yeah. vodka. Yeah, he thought he's, he's so good. That that he's he's thought so far ahead that he's going to leave a decoy bottle of vodka open, right? You know, not only but and the great part is they don't show they don't show him shopping for vodka ahead of time. Right? Oh, I'll take two of those. It's just he's this is routine to him. This is old hat, right? That's the best. That that, that was I, great. That to me is is the character in a nut. Here's one question I have for you. Okay, so oh. he so he he they're they're on they're on the beach at. Uh, at uh what was the name of the key crab key crab key okay so they're they're there and you know like that whole thing was kind of weird he's sleeping on the beach and everything else he wakes up he sees he sees honey she's singing it okay great you know everybody knows how amazing that she was coming out of the beach everything else fine so right away at first she's like she gets her knife and she's like threatening to you know stab him and if he gets too close and then Apparently he earns her trust fairly quickly, and then after that she continues to hang out with 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 uh, with him and and his uh, his helper guy Coral Coral, and it's like, doesn't she? You know why is she still hanging out with them? Like well, who would 
why would she still is is he that magnetic and charming that you know first of all she's like oh i don't really trust you and then a minute later she's like hiding behind the 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 sand embankment well, I while think they're getting once shot the, at. i think once once the machine gun attack occurred i think she realized you know she'd be better off sticking with this guy yeah but then there was that point where the the guys are driving the armored tank the dragon around and then she sort of like it seemed like she could have got away at that point if she had wanted to but she stuck around with him still which was lucky because she got that dose of radiation they had to wash off. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Could she have gotten away at that point by her own? Seemed like it. They were more interested uh, in Bond at that point. Yeah, I think she fell in love with him. I think uh, that's what it was, right? Yeah. She was yeah. She was just, at that point, she was hooked. One thing that it, it you do, and you see it in this one too. I mean, it starts right from the first one, is that it, it, Bond is clearly a bit of a, like a psychopath. Because like, he doesn't really, <laughs> he doesn't really take qu- quarrels, death, that hard no not like he's at all. a little angry about it it's an then, it's a minor inconvenience and he says to right. to honey just don't look right. <laughs> i like that just don't look because <laughs> right, he really got like mangled he oh, got, yeah. like, burned. He got, like, <laughs> horribly burned in in a matter of seconds he's completely burned and gone and he's like oh just don't look and she's okay with it right you know and then, then you get you, well. I guess before you get the story about how she put a, a black widow in with uh, with some dude that wronged her. Yeah, yeah, that was a good story. Uh, you know, in the movie, I think the one thing that that is the only unfortunate thing about the whole thing is that I think there's a it's a it's a tad bit racist. What's the whole fetch my shoes thing? Yeah, fetch my shoes. It's and that's exactly that is exactly what I was going to say. Is that that line where Bond just says fetch my shoes, and I feel like it 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 made me cringe a little bit. I totally agree with that. Made me cringe a little bit. And Quarrel just does it right because Quarrel's a pretty cool guy, but that fetch my shoes part is it wasn't cool. Well, this is a guy who can who can take a a you know glass bottle in the cheek and not flinch about it. Like he could have just said, you know, could have just. Been, I mean, obviously he was serious. You know, they'd just been machine gunned. It's not like he's got. You know, he doesn't need to say please, but you know, like I need my shoes or well, something he, like that. Why even mention it? Why even have that part of it? Why even yeah, have it why there? Why not just the, have yeah. Quarrel show up with the shoes later? Yeah, got your shoes know. for just, you. You know, fetch, I mean, I don't know. Fetch is fetch just, is just yeah, right. dismissive. All right, but we don't need that. You know, it was of that time, I guess. How cool is Jack Lord? As Felix Leiter. I think the great great tragedy of the whole series is that they never brought Jack Lord back as Felix Leiter. That was the one and only time he played the role. (laughs) Yeah. Jack Lord as Felix Leiter is so cool in this movie. And it totally makes you ache that you wish that they had done like a parallel series of movies about Felix Leiter and the CIA at the same time. He was so good. He was so good. And he could have had – I mean – He's he's almost cooler than Bond in some ways. He doesn't get the girl. But he's he's cool. Right. Like at the airport. Hey, where did you get your suit? Him. You know, and he's like watching him at the airport. I mean, he was too obvious at the airport. The fact that Bond didn't pick up on him immediately was kind of like, – because he's like three inches away from James Bond in the airport. Right, with the newspaper. With the newspaper. He keeps peeking up over it with the sunglasses on. It's like Bond notices the photographer but doesn't notice him. I watched it with Jonas and Jonas at that point said, you know, a secret agent always has a newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. That's how you spot him. 
Uh, no gadgets in this movie. No, there were no gadgets. There was no cue. There was nothing. No. I think that the guy who brought the gun out at the beginning, that's another great scene, too. Oh, in the, in the yeah, he brings out in the, M's office. The I think that was supposed to be Q. They didn't name him. Right. I think it was, too. Uh, but he's, you know, because Q is like the quartermaster. He's just, he's not really the gadget guy. He's just, in term, you know, the equipment guy. Right. And so just your gun is the equipment. But that's a great scene, too. Well, uh, and what's cool is that they actually reference. Because this was not for for people who don't know about Bond. Th- this is the first Bond movie, but it's not the first Bond story. There are right. a number of stories that that came before it. The movies don't go chronologically, right? And uh, they actually reference. He's like, "Oh, I, the, that um, you know that Beretta jammed on you. I heard you had problems with it. You know, right. before you should try this Walther PBK. The CIA swear by it, and you know, and." and and that was actually like a turning point because now everybody associates the PPK with Bond. Right. You never think of a, of any other gun with him. Right. But I love the way that he, uh, when he, he, you know, so M says, you've got to switch guns. It's an order. You, you know, you're, you're switching to the Walther PPK. And then Bond leaves. He's leaving because he's got to get to the airport to start the mission. And M, without even looking up and says, oh, and 007? Leave the leave the Beretta because right. he tried to sneak out. Yeah, with the Beretta he's walking out with it under gonna, the box, right? Because he didn't want to take the new gun. What was in the box again? The paper. I think it was empty. empty. Yeah, I think it was just empty. It was like the box. I, I, that, 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 I, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like why does he leave that with money, yeah. Penny? I don't know. He like gives her an empty. Yeah, box. he gives her an empty box, and she kind of looks in it. Here's here's something funny. I read this also because I was reading about this. Apparently, every single woman in this movie. Had her dialogue voiced over, but except Miss Moneypenny. But that's not the weird part. It was all voiced over by the same woman. In other words, every everybody, uh, every woman in the movie except Miss Moneypenny. Moneypenny is the only one that doesn't get the voiceover treatment. All by this other one lady. Every even, every other woman you hear is all one person. Even the honey, whatever her name. Yeah, honey not Robert? when she was singing. That was some yet another person doing a voiceover when she was singing. Really? Yeah, huh. but that's not her voice. Huh. She was great, I, though. Huh. That's interesting. I kind of thought so with the... I did notice that the, the secretary, the one who's like a double agent for the, Dr. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh, that her voice sounded like the woman at the hotel. Yeah, they're all the same woman. Right. And that, so that's another weird question. They, they obviously could get Asian actresses. Okay, because they have them all once they, once they get to Doctor No's uh, base, and that uh, he has just Asian ladies working in there. But the the secretary that you were just talking about is clearly supposed to also be, I guess, Chinese, right? But she's or not. She's she's just just a white lady that they've got some right. eye makeup on, and I'm like. Why? Why did they do that? Would it have been like too weird to have James Bond like kiss a non-white lady in in that year or something? Yeah, but how would it? Be, you know, how would that be any different than than having him kiss a pretending to be Asian lady? Like, yeah, that's you know. just as, could they not get an Asian actress that was good enough for something like it just it seemed really weird. I'm like, yeah, I think it's probably like a. I don't think it had anything to do with. Uh, interracial standards. I think it was the f- it was it was that Hollywood still was under the assumption that you can always uh, uh, cast a white person in it 
Asian roll and just put a little makeup at the, the corners of their eyes. <laughs> yeah. And like, maybe like, you know, that, that it didn't matter, you know, it's like, almost like more the like guy, theater, you know? Right. Cause like the guy who played Charlie Chan for years right. was Swedish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, it just, it just was like, assume that you could do that, you know, that, that it just, pe- struck, know, it just people wouldn't notice. Weird. Yeah, it was weird. Another one of those things that makes it seem older than it really is seems more like a 50s movie than a 60s movie. Could, I bet, but that's the thing. Could they not have found like a, like an authentic... No, I think they could have, but that they didn't... It wasn't considered... It wasn't that they couldn't find an Asian actress, I'm guessing. It's that they didn't think it mattered. Yeah. Huh? Why not just cast her? I don't <laughs> know. Maybe she knew somebody. You know? <laughs> that's weird. But I, lo- I love that movie. I love the cars. The cars that they drive in the, the movies are great. Yeah. And the car chases, are, it's so funny because it's so clear to us today that all of the car chases and, and, and everything, are, are they're doing it with rear projection stuff. Right. And it's funny because at, at points, the, the car that's chasing Bond, this is when the th- I think it's the three blind mice are chasing him where, he, where after they crash, he says oh, they were on their way to a funeral. Um. Yeah, you know it's so clear that it's rear projection, and yet the car is supposed to be crashing into the back of his car, right? As if to knock him off the road. And it's it's you know it, it's something that's almost it's jarring to to right. us today when we're we're watching these uh, unbelievable chase sequences today that we're so spoiled on on yeah you know, they really are blowing up cars when you see cars blow yeah, but up. The today. funny thing about it, I thought the funny thing was that the rear projection looks really really fake. But yeah. then you, the cutaway shots, the wide shots, were of you know where, where it's stuntmen and it's so wide that you can't tell you know that it's just you know you can't see that it's not Sean Connery. Yeah, uh, the cars really did seem like they were out of control. Yeah, like the uh, the hearse that was chasing him, the wheel was like at like a forty five degree angle on the axis because it was like I mean it really did look like the 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 truck was about ready to flip over. It seemed more out of control. Yeah, it 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 really. I actually felt like those cars, like they didn't have the right kind of drivers driving them. They really did look right, right. You know, looked, like, and so in some sense, like the rear projection looked totally fake, but in some sense, the wider shots looked more real because it didn't look tightly controlled stunt. Yeah. It looked out of control. Yeah. I wonder too, because this is one of those things where we just don't have the context because we don't know all the other movies of the time. But so that chase scene ends with the hearse going over the cliff and it blows, it blows up at up, the bottom. Yeah. Now that's like a total cliche now. But was it then? No, it. Yeah, I don't think like now. That's the joke. The joke is it rolls over the cliff and blows up. And, and back right. then, I think it was just that was exciting. Like maybe Toons, that even Toons was a, a little surprising. Remember, remember Toons is the driving cat. <laughs> yeah. But was it, yeah, like, was that the first time that a car had gone over a cliff and blown up? Because that's the thing, too, is it, it's that it, it, it doesn't, it, what was this, the Schwarzenegger movie, The Last Action Hero, mm-hmm. where they they mocked all of the, yeah, the yeah. action movie cliches, like the way that, that in action movies, cars are like loaded up with dynamite. Right. Like, I'm sure driving your car over a cliff is, is you know, a good way to die, but it's, it, I don't I think... I don't think it makes your car blow up. No, I don't think so either. But I it mean, sure is a lot cooler if it did. I think I think there's just something about it that we can't really put into the, like 
and I was I was also watching some. I was showing uh, I was showing Joel some of the uh, the intro to Caddyshack with the the gopher burrowing around and dancing right. around. And it, I was looking at that, and I was like, that is the fun, funniest, goofiest, silly intro to a movie I've ever seen. But when I saw that as a kid, I, I thought it was like really cool, and. I think I think just because the time differences, the time period back then, it, a car going over a cliff and blowing up was really dramatic. Yeah. So the one thing, uh, just to wrap it up, I guess. Yeah. Um, but this is this has been a good talk. Uh, I think this is working out pretty well. But the one thing that I think is a weak spot in the movie is when Doctor No has Bond locked up after the soften him up a little bit, and yeah. he says like, "I want to keep him around just to like torture him." Uh, and Bond escapes by going through the the hatch, mm-hmm. the 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 vents. Yeah. Again, I wonder how much of a cliche was it for an action hero to pop open the ventilation uh, vent and climb into the ventilation system to 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 get somewhere and get out of the. I don't know. I mean, maybe that seems like something that maybe was already a, an action movie trope. That's a great question. I mean, we we'd have to ask somebody who was. Right. But how it it just fails it it. Even in the in the logic of action movies, like who builds a prison cell with with a ventilation shaft that that a man can fit through? Was that was clearly meant to be a prison cell too? It right. Wasn't, it, was, it wasn't it like was, they threw him in the back room and well, well, I guess we'll just keep him in here until later. It was like this is the prison room because the 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 grating was like electrified. Remember right. when he touched it right. and it, it shocked him? Right. So he was meant. I mean, that was designed. Right. But who would make one that was that? that uh uh shoddily made i mean who would put an escape hatch in a prison cell now in the book and i'm not the type of person who who says you know the book is the bible and on movies have to follow the book but in the book it makes a lot more sense it's actually pretty close the story is pretty close overall um but in the book the premise is that dr no is such a sicko he's sort of like a uh like uh, I think he even references like uh, German scientists from the war, like yeah. referencing like Nazi Germany and about tests that he's one of his one of his uh, interests is in the the limits of human endurance, and that uh, he likes to you know one of the reason the whole reason he's keeping Bond around is that he thinks the Bond is going to be very interesting uh, results in this thing that he's devised, mm. and that. The test is you start in this room and, you know, how far can you go to get out? And it's actually designed. It is like in the book that he climbs through, you know, figures out that he can get into the shaft and start climbing. And it's, you know, parts of it are boiling hot and uh, there's all sorts of traps and stuff like that in there. Um, but that's the whole premise is that uh, Dr. No knows, you know, it's, it's, you know, let's see how far you can get through this uh, death trap that I've devised. Hmm. And in the book, it's kind of creepy. I, and it, I wonder why they cut it out of the movie. I guess it was for time. But in the book, it's creepy because every every time Bond gets through like a trap or, a, a, you know, whatever the, the, the next trap is or test, uh, there's like a little like thick glass panel and there's like a, a Chinese guy like looking at him, <laughs> like watching, watching him, <laughs> watching him progress through the thing. Wow. That's pretty cool. So, so next week from Russia with love, from Russia with love, that's my favorite. I will just spoil. I'll spoil that and just say that it's my favorite Bond movie. All right, we're expecting a lot. 
So that's it for this week. Uh, we want to all we want to thank uh, Mailchimp.com. They sponsored uh, the bandwidth for this episode. So thanks to them for that. And we'll see y'all uh, next week. We're moving to twelve, right? We should mention that. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to stay at twelve Eastern. Going to stay at twelve. We don't have to say Eastern. Everybody knows Eastern's the real time. Yes. All right. See you next all week. Right. See you, Dan.